start out, you know, it's, it's a good reminder for us as a church community, this is not an event, this is not a performance, what we're a part of in the Branches community. This is truly the family of God. And whether or not you're married, you're single, you've got kids, you don't have kids, you're in your retired years, uh, we all have a part to play in lifting up these families and lifting up these kids. Uh, one year, we're going to release the blooper outtake video of these families, including my own. And you're going to see the mess that our lives actually are. And you'll know you need to pray for us. You need to support us and help us by volunteering in the kids' ministry. But uh, let's open up here. We're in this series, New Creations. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. One of the ushers will pass one to you. You can go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 if you'd like. We're going to go many places in the scriptures this morning, but that's kind of going to be the hallmark landing place for us this morning. Uh, we began this series, as I said, New Creations last week, meditating on what it means to be grounded in the truth that we talked about on Resurrection Sunday, that, that we've been made alive, that we've been raised, that we've been seated alongside Christ in the heavenly realms. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we studied last week, if anyone is in Christ, if you placed your faith in Jesus, if you've given Him your life, you're considered a new creation. There's a spiritual transformation that has taken place. The old has gone, the new has come. You know, I ended our time last week in Colossians chapter 3. This promise in the scriptures for us as new creations, God really promises, the promise of the word is that he's always going to be doing a new work in us to bring out a fresh revelation or embodiment of his son Jesus Christ. He's always working something new in our hearts, our minds, our lives until the day that we meet with him in glory. And I suppose in a way last week's message was meant to like set the nail in place for this series. And this week I just want to drive it home. I just want to drive it completely home. And the way I'm going to go about that is a little bit unique. I'm actually going to primarily address the aged today. Those who are more senior among us. And I know this might go over like a snack of bricks. I just, I just felt the atmosphere change in this room. And I'm going to be very careful, all right? I've, I looked up online. I used a thesaurus. What are the many ways I could talk about someone's age in an uplifting way? The seasoned among us, the more mature among us. Like, I'm going to be as careful as possible. But even as I'm addressing primarily a, the age, that doesn't mean I'm excluding the younger, whether you're 18 or you find yourself, you're 35, maybe you're more in my category. For someone more in my position or younger, I'm setting more of a vision for our lives, a, 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 a trajectory for us, something that we could attain to, a goal that we might have. It's going to be reframing for us. For someone in their elder years, I want to speak to where you are at presently because God is not done being at work in your lives. God is not done being at work in your lives. There's a new work he has for your life as much as anyone else here. To get there, let's rewind for a minute. It was last week that I began my introduction to this series, New Creations, with this conversation that Jesus has with this individual named Nicodemus. It's in John chapter 3, verse 3. I cited it last week. That Jesus says, if anyone wants to see the kingdom of God, they must be born again. In fact... You cannot see the kingdom of God. You will not taste it. You will not be part of it. You will not experience it unless you're born again. 
Unless you become transformed in Jesus, unless you become a completely new person, he's saying, in God, you will not experience the kingdom of God. Now, I didn't go into the next verse where Nicodemus responds and asks a question that I think helps frame the context of this conversation that's really interesting. Because Nicodemus asks in John chapter 3, verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old? Now, that question implies something about the one who's asking the question. It's like when I get invited to jiu-jitsu, I always get invited to jiu-jitsu in Huntington Beach, very classic Huntington Beach thing. We have many, many, many individuals in our congregation of all ages attending jiu-jitsu. And I've been invited many times. I've said no many, 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 many times. I will one day say yes. I've already committed. I have yet to follow through now. But a lot of times, you know, it's such a good idea for somebody in their mid-30s to go to jiu-jitsu. You know, just asking for a friend. You know, not about me. I'm just saying. Like, the question, you know, sort of implies it's something about me. And when Nicodemus asks the question, how can someone be born again when they are old? He's referring to himself. He's old. We get that impression also from John chapter 3, verse 1, when it says that he was part of the Jewish ruling council. For that reason, everybody goes, man, Nicodemus must have been an older guy. So if you think about it, the gospel of John opens with Jesus talking to an old guy about being born again. It's the chapter with the most often quoted Bible verse in modern times. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And who is the audience for that statement? Someone you think is done, hardened cement, stuck in their ways. But God's plans for spiritual rebirth and his plans in general involve the aged. It's right in line with God's track record through the Bible. Sure, David was a boy when he was commissioned to be king, and he was 30 years old when he was actually anointed for the job. And Jesus himself was 30 years old when he began his earthly ministry. And the Bible tells us very clear, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, you know, don't despise someone's youth. Don't look down on them because they're young. Now, that was an ancient problem. That was an old world problem, to look down on someone because they're young and say, well, you don't know anything, you're young. You can't possibly have God working through you or speaking through you. We don't have that problem today. It's the reverse problem. We look to the young. We value the young. It's age that we despise. We need to be instructed not to despise those who are senior in their years. Consider Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. Abraham was 75 years old when God met with him and made a covenant with him, a spiritual commitment with him that he was going to make him into a great nation. 75 years old. He was established and wealthy when God told him, go, leave your land and go to the promised land that I'm sending you into. Abraham is 75 years old, wealthy and established, it says. Could have been, you know, getting ready to do, you know, insert the ancient Middle East equivalent of golfing. Like that could have been the rest of Abraham's life. But God told him at 75 years old, go to the land that I'm sending you to. Where am I going? I, I'm not going to show you right now. I'm just going to tell you to go. And he picked up and he left and he went. 75, his journey of obedience began. It began. Moses, he was 80 years old when God commissioned him to lead the Israelites. You don't picture that. 
But it says in the Bible, he was 40 years old when he fled Egypt initially, and then 40 years passed until he had heard God speak to him in the burning bush. Was he going senile, you're wondering? No. God was choosing Moses. He was picking Moses and commissioning him to be his people's representative, God's people's representative, to speak to power and lead God's people out of slavery and into the promised land. And guys, these individuals obeyed. You know, Moses at first is going, who am I? It says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He goes, who am I that you're going to send me? That might have had to do with his age. He might have been thinking, I'm 80 years old. Are you sure you got the right guy? God said, I'm going to be with you, Moses. So many of God's works throughout salvation history, throughout history in general, have been moved forward through those who are older in years. And they also responded. Abraham went Moses obeyed. Nicodemus went from being someone who was associated with those who were most critical of Jesus and they ultimately condemned him to being one of the few who tended to Jesus' body after the cross. That's who I want to be when I'm in my senior years. And when I'm talking about a, a vision for all of us, when I'm talking about a trajectory, that's setting a vision for all of us. That's who I want to be in my senior years. I want to be faith-filled. I want to be obedient. I want to be open to the work of God. Not settled. Not set. Not stuck. You know, those latter outcomes, settled, set, stuck, that can be an outcome of age. That can be. I mean, you understand why. The world is constantly changing. It's hard for us to keep up as we get up in years. You know, one day, all of us are going to experience what it's like to have a piece of technology gifted to us. We're going to ask our grandkids how to work it. I already don't know how to work a smartphone. Just imagine me, Lord willing, if I'm up in my senior years, right? The world is changing. And you can feel like you're being, you know, disconnected from it. I mean, we're all going to face it. We're all going to face when our body begins to start showing us some limitations, that we didn't experience before. If we're blessed with age, if we're blessed with years, we're going to face that at some point. We're all going to face a, a world where the young people are being shaped by experiences that are very different than the experiences we were shaped by. And so we're very concerned and we're worried that the outcome of their lives is going to be you know, devastatingly bad. Just like your parents thought about you when you were younger. So as we age, there can be considerable reason for our lives to be marked by regret, pain, and pride. Or the opposite. We could be the opposite. You know, the Bible gives us a different vision. The Bible is decidedly age positive. Job chapter 12, verse 12, it says, It's not wisdom found among the aged. Does not long life bring understanding? Now, you can't assume everyone who's older automatically has wisdom, but certainly there's a wisdom that is only accessible to the mature, some things you don't get the key to until you've lived through the experiences. And I get it. There are some people who think they know it all just because they've lived a long time. I've met some people who think they know it all just because they've been around a long time. And the promise is if you, uh, you know, get up there in, in the years, yeah, you grow old. But not everybody grows up, okay? If we live a long time, we're all going to grow old. Not everybody grows up. 
And yet, there are also those who have feared the Lord and let God be their teacher, and they've lived through the complexities of life, the dimensions of it, and they are able to guide others in a way that is unique, that cannot be attained to by somebody who has not had their life experiences. Wisdom is found among the aged. For young people, sorry to say, that's not always going to be your or my strong suit. In general, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29 says, the glory of young men is their strength. Youth are naturally inclined to have more physical energy and drive. That's their distinguishing quality. And you may be young and saying, I don't see it. You know, I, don't, I feel really tired. Well, just wait till you're old. <laughs> and you'll realize this is a vigorous time in your life. You had a lot of vitality, you know, and I'll speak about you separate from me because I don't feel like I'm young that I have energy or old that I have wisdom. I just have nothing according to the Bible. I'm somewhere in between. But listen to this. It's not really about the first statement about young people. It's about the contrast with those who are older. Proverbs 20, 29, the glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair, the splendor of the old. FYI, Just for Men is not going to be sponsoring this message right now because the young have strength as their glory, as their shining quality. The Bible says gray hair is the splendor of the old, which is funny when there are so many people who want to appear younger and mask their age as they get older here in Orange County. Now, I'm going to say something right now that I think is a more challenging message for Orange County than maybe even the one that Jesus gives when he says, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That's a hard teaching for Orange County, right? So are you ready for a harder one? Yeah, that's the same response from first service. Everyone's like, no, actually I'm not. I'm sorry, this, this message is linear. We can't go further until I share this point with you. I'm going to share it one way or another. And it's, it's this, your age... The evidence of your age is a virtue for those who live their lives in God. You've lived, you've seen, you're not young. And you don't need to be young. The evidence of your age is the evidence of blessing. It's the evidence of the gift of life you've received from God, of your experiences of your story and testimony and the way God has shaped you. The fact that you are aged is not meant to be hidden. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Now, this is a wisdom saying. And a wisdom saying in the Bible, it's not absolutely true like it's a formula. It's generally true. Because just because you're old isn't you know, evidence that you are righteous. There are some people who are righteous that die at a young age, tragically. And there are those who are wicked who live to an old age. But generally, in this wisdom teaching, you find as you pursue a righteous life, you are kept from snares and traps and habits and evil that leads to an untimely early demise. So the evidence of your age then functions like this visible crown of life for those who acknowledge their blessing in God. It's a prize, the Bible says, to be obtained. All that to say, I think we can agree, the Bible is not despising of youth, but it is also not despising of age. There's something unique and otherwise unobtainable and glorious and rich about becoming old, and specifically so as you age in the Lord. 
Now, these are Old Testament truths. How much more glorious is aging as we pursue Christ? As I said last week in Colossians chapter 3, we're all putting on Christ, young and old. And God is always doing a fresh work to bring about a fresh embodiment of His Son, Jesus, through our life. And it's sort of this compounding return. Imagine the compounding return of God doing that work in you as you age. It's not just your retirement account that benefits from compounding interest. It's our lives that should benefit from this compounding transformation as God is constantly doing this new work in us to bring about a new image of His Son. It's like it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, in view of God's mercy, in view of the gospel, in view of Jesus giving His life on the cross, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. God offered His life. In Jesus, he offered everything to you. Now you've experienced grace, the gift of eternal life. Now you, you're alive. Offer your life back as a sacrifice to him. If you're young, you got your life ahead of you. Who knows where it's going to go, right? Lord willing, you got your life ahead of you. Who knows what your goals are? Put it all before the Lord. Say, you direct my paths. You direct my future. I'm young. I place it in your hands, God. I'm a sacrifice unto you. But it's no different if you're older. If you're older and you're alive... You're still a living sacrifice. You've got to do the same thing. If you're, you know, aged in years and you've got this plan, oh, it's perfect, it's gone according to plan, or no retirement set up, everything. You're a living sacrifice. Nothing has changed. Place yourself back into the hands of God. Say, whatever I thought for my future, what do you think for my future? What do you have for me? What are your plans? It says, as we do that, we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then we're going to be able to test and approve God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, so many wonder, young and old alike, why isn't God working in me or changing me? Why isn't this faith thing working? We're supposed to be new creations through our faith in Jesus, but I woke up the next day and I'm still kind of the same person. You know, a lot of people get frustrated by this. Yes, imputed to you, you are defined by Christ's Forgiveness, by the offer of his life, you are a new creation. You're going through this process of renewal. The Bible promised it would be a process. You're offering yourself as a living sacrifice, and you're being renewed in an ongoing basis in this transformation that's happening in your mind. And as you go about this process of transformation, you're able to test and approve God's will. You're able to go, okay, that was a nice theory in the sermon on Sunday. Now I'm going to go apply it. And I'm going to look back and check the work. Did it work or did it not work? Was it good or was it bad? And as you go along, you keep following, you keep going through this process, and you can see it worked, it worked, it worked, it worked. You see that over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Then how much more at the end of that journey are you able to approve of God's will and say it was good, it was pleasing, it was perfect, that's the process of us aging in the Lord. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul describes this process of us being transformed as a process of being transformed with ever-increasing glory. That's the passage I told you to turn to. If you want to open there, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In that chapter, the whole chapter, I encourage you to go back and read it because it's so good. He's taking us through the past works of God. How God revealed the commandments to Moses in the Old Testament. And there was fire, and there was thunder, and there was smoke on the mountain. And it was glorious as God revealed his standards, as he revealed his laws, he established his people. And Moses, from this encounter with God, 
would come down from the mountain literally shining. He had radiance. He had the glory of God emanating from him. And the people couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle going up the mountain. They couldn't handle Moses' you know, emanating radiant face. So they had a very interesting fashion choice. They put a veil over his face. Not common in our modern world. But that was to you know, keep the glory from all the people. Because they couldn't handle it. And it was also to hide that it was fading away after those encounters. And Paul says, you know, when the Old Testament is read today and the law is read today, and there's still people who are trying to abide by it, a veil still covers their hearts. Because the law in the Old Testament, it was righteous, it was glorious, it had a radiance to it, but it served to reveal our sinfulness. It was like a mirror, the law, the Old Testament, that was held up to us so we could see the glorious standards of God, but how far we had fallen short. So he says a veil still covering those who try to abide by it from really experiencing the glory of God. But the good news of Jesus brings forgiveness and eternal life and has a glory that exceeds all that. Verse 16, let's pick up there in chapter 3. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil that would separate us from experiencing the full glory of God is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We have that freedom. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So do you see this phenomenal transformative shift? Whereas the law is a righteous and glorious mirror that reveals to us our sin, in Jesus and the grace provided on the cross and the forgiveness that we have received, we go from looking into a mirror that reveals our weaknesses to becoming a mirror that reflects God's grace and glory. That's the change that happens as we're new creations. We go from looking into a mirror that reveals to us how we fall short to becoming a mirror that reflects the riches of God's grace and kindness expressed to us. And as we reflect it over time, we're being transformed ever more into His image, not despairing in our own image, because we're not defined by all the ways that we fall short. Everything that we are defined by is the love that's been expressed toward us in God through Christ. And so we become this image of ever-increasing glory. The longer we behold Him, the more glory we emanate as we conform to the image of God. It gets sharper and grander and more in view. So some of you may feel you're getting older, and some of you may feel that your best days are behind you, but when we age in the Lord, we age with ever-increasing glory. Our best days are always before us. Even in the classic and expected trials that are common to all with age, there is the promise of ever-increasing glory. That's for all of us to look forward to. Now, as we reflect on the truths of the Scriptures here, I want to assert a few things before we end our time together. Number one, I want to make this statement. God has never done calling us into His works, no matter our age. That's the first thing that I want to establish this morning. God has never done calling us into His works, no matter our age. Nicodemus, Abraham, Moses, God picked them to be agents of His work in their old age, not despite it. You know what I mean? He wasn't like, oh, actually, Moses, you are kind of old. I'm not sure if I can work with you. 
Nah, you know, I'll, I'll do some extra effort to make this kind of happen because, yeah. He picked them for his work in their old age. He knew full well what he was doing when he sent Abraham from his land at the age of 75 years old. He knew what he was doing when he spoke to the older Nicodemus and told him to be born again. He knew that he would make unsettled folks who were establishing their retirement years unsettled and tell them to go. He knew what he was doing when he said, you're going to represent me to these older folks in front of the powerful figures and lead my people into freedom. And today, I'm constantly inspired by the stories of this community, of those who are older than me, who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and they are saying yes to the work of God afresh in their life at their stage. You know, folks who are becoming missionaries in Kenya, folks who are fostering children after their children have grown and left the house, they're empty nesters, they're filling back up the nest with some kids who don't have a home to go to and call a home right now. There are folks who are planting churches in that stage of life. They're doing brand new works for the kingdom of God, and they're doing so because they never stopped or because they started listening again. They were seeking and they were offering their lives as living sacrifices afresh. They were open and they obeyed. And maybe for you, it isn't going to Kenya. If you're in that age group, you know, that I've been speaking to, maybe you're not going to go to Kenya. Maybe you're not going to go to Papua New Guinea. But definitely maybe you are. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you an out right now. I'm saying, like, I said it in the sermon. People have done it. People are doing it from this community. Not like that church of 30,000 where you could never possibly, oh, someone did that from here? We've had a lot of people do stuff like that from this humble community it's a dangerous place to be in, you know, if you want to avoid the works of God, because God will use you. Pray about it. But maybe the new work God wants to do in you is that for the first time in your 90s, you're going to say yes to stepping into community. You never did in your whole life. Maybe in your 80s, that's the first time you're going to be generous with the resources that God has gifted to you, and you've only kept it for yourself your whole life. Maybe it's in your 70s that you're going to give up the bitterness and the animosities that you've carried with you through your whole life because you're being transformed by the grace that you've received from Jesus yourself. Maybe it's in your 60s for the first time you're going to give up that chip on your shoulder that you have about this next generation because God is going to change your heart to love and to serve and to try to understand them as you emote to them the love of God. Wherever you are in your journey, God is not done with you. To my friends who are not up there in years, maybe you would associate yourself more toward my age or younger, decide now, set a trajectory, set a vision for your life that you are not going to get stuck in your maturity because of the mandate of Christ. Lord willing, we're all going to grow old, but that doesn't mean we're all going to grow up. So decide right now, if you're a young person, I'm not just going to grow old. I'm going to take the opportunities to grow up to mature. We're not going to age like a gallon of milk in the sun. Our worst quality is getting magnified, but like a fine wine where all the strengths and the you know, intricacies and all the details, they emerge over time. That's what we want. We have to all agree we're always going to be open, ready, and willing to follow God, redirecting, calling us, and commissioning us afresh. This is my second point this morning. The aged have something unique to offer God's church. We all need to know that. The aged have something unique to offer God's church. Gray hair is a crown, it says in the Bible. It's splendor. Like Job, is not wisdom found among the aged. In branches, it's not like the world. The world seeks to honor young. 
In branches, we will seek to honor those who are aged in Christ. To the young, listen up. If you are not opening your heart and your ears to those who are older than you, 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years older than you, you are slowing down your process of maturity. If you are not listening to, if you don't have people in your life that are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years older than you speaking into your life, then you are slowing down the process of your maturity. And just like you're not listening to the generation above you, you have waiting for you a generation beneath you that isn't going to listen to you when they go seeking for wisdom. I have personally benefited immensely from those three times my age when I started out at 23. What in the world did I have to teach anyone three years, three times? Excuse me, I can't even do math. (laughs) See, what do I have to offer anyone? I can't even do math. Three times my age when I started out at 23, and yet they were there, patient with me, supportive of me, people who are two times my age now. I guess I'm closing the gap. (laughs) Nobody three times my age anymore. But I benefited immensely from those elders in our community, from those who are serving in this community, from Pastor Brock leading alongside me and leading me, from my parents who led me. You know, there's always going to be generational nonsense that gets recapitulated and repeated. We're going to do the same thing when we get older. The aged are not perfect in all of their wisdom, but they have something to offer us through their life experiences that are not common to all that are unique and special and set apart. How someone dresses in this community, what shows they watch, what their hobbies are, what their age is, what neighborhood they're from, what their net worth is, I hope you guys know this by now, is irrelevant to me. I do not care. I do not care about your marital status. I don't care if you have kids or not. I don't care what neighborhood you're from. I don't care how rich you are, what car you drove here in, how old you are. I care who's living with wisdom after God. Who's following God? Those are the people I want to emulate. Those are the people that I want to follow after. And I want to address even the seniors among us who don't feel that they have wisdom, who don't feel like they've lived that life when they look back of ever-increasing glory. They say, oh, you know, I actually just started this journey at 50, 60, 70, and I really wasted my life. And I want you to know, even you have something unique to contribute to this church community because you have a testimony A life lived apart from God and how you, just like Nicodemus, would give it all up to be born again at this stage of your life, you have a story to share with this world and you have a story to share with your brothers and sisters in this community. The aged have something unique to offer God's church. But it's contingent upon this, really for all of us. Number three, this is my final point. The aged must remain teachable. For all of us, in fact, the second we become unteachable is the moment we stop growing. And if we're ever going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, if we're ever going to experience that mirror that becomes the ever-increasing glory that we want to reflect in the Lord, we have to remain malleable, shapeable, changeable in God's hands. It's like Paul told Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 3, he said, instruct the older men, instruct the older women. The older men and the older women needed to be instructed. In what? To be temperate, be even killed, guys, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in endurance. Be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers. Don't get bitter or addicted to too much wine. Don't lose it. Don't get off the rails, but to teach what is good. The older men, the older women still had so much to learn. 
Nicodemus was still open to learning, and so he was born again. Our mind has to remain open. I'm not saying open to the culture and society that we would just go with wherever that's going. Our heart has to remain open to the people of culture so that we don't get cold to the love that we're supposed to have. And our mind has to remain open to the Lord that he can continue to shape us and change us. I had some beautiful wisdom gifted to me after first service. And I'm going to see if I can get this teaching right. Somebody in their elder years came up to me and said, you know what this message speaks to me? It's something I've been carrying with me for a while. If you think you're green, you're growing. If you think you're ripe, you're rotten. That's a good one. I didn't come up with it. See, the best stuff in my sermons are from someone older than me. If you think you're green, you're growing. If you think you're ripe, you're rotten. We have to be remaining in this posture of being teachable. I don't want to be 70 and on this stage. Period, first of all. I want someone younger than me leading in this community, but I don't want to be on a platform in my 70s projecting this image. Hey, guys, come to me because I know it all. What I want to project at that stage is I'm hungry to learn more than I ever have been hungry to learn before. That's where I want to be when I get to that stage. So this morning, I mean, I know some of you guys are like, oh, I just heard this whole sermon about being aged. I'm 18 years old, whatever. I can preach one of these messages for, you know, those who are more senior in years. I can do that once every 12 years, right? And hopefully it's a gift to all of you no matter where you're from. But a little bit, this is a love letter to all those. You guys have walked with me. You guys have lifted me up. You guys have given me wisdom. You've guided the way. You're leading in this community. You may not be leading in the eyes of the world, but I look around and I see people who are senior in their years, and they are leading in the works of God in this community, and they are leading in in our example that we need to follow in. So I just want to honor you, but I want to pray for you too. And I want to actually have you stand so that we as a community can pray for you. And you're thinking, how is he going to do this one? And is he going to include me? Because I'll kill him if he includes me right now. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm going to outsource the offense. Social Security, you can collect at 62 years old. And you can pull out of your 401... 1K, I have a 403B, excuse me, as a nonprofit, so I'm confused. What can you learn from me? Jeez, 401K, you can withdraw from that at 59 and a half. All right, so I'm going to take the lower number so I can include as many of you as possible to pray for you. And I know everyone who's 59 is doing the math right now. Do I or don't I? Do I or don't I? If, if you're 59 and a half or older, I'm inviting you to stand. Would you stand right now and stay standing? There we go. The Lord teaches us to do what in many ways is opposite in the world's understanding. You know, all honor the young in the world. We're going to honor those of you who've lived, you have testimonies, you have wisdom in the Lord. We look to you. We're looking to you. We need your examples. Look, if you're 55, see, that's just an arbitrary number. If you're 55, you're starting to get some grandkids in the world, you're looking at your life and saying, I'm in a different stage. I'm just going to embrace it. You know, I want you to stand too. If you just want the prayer, you don't care about the number. You don't care about being considered this or that. God bless you. Lead us in that. But right now, I just want to pray a blessing over those who are standing. And I want us as a community to join around them. If you're seated near someone who's standing, would you stand with them? Would you place a hand on them if they're comfortable with it? Move around the room. Find somebody. Find someone who's standing. Surround them. 
I want to see that everybody in this room that's standing has a group that's gathered around them. And I realize the time, but there's nothing more important than this. This is worth our time. I'm going to pray a blessing on behalf of all of us for these individuals who stood. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the unique contributions these individuals have to bring to this family. Lord, we are not complete. We are not the whole body that you intend us to be without their contributions, without their presence, without their wisdom. God, they have something unique to offer. Every single one of them does because you're not done with their lives. You're not done working through them. You're not done showing them new things. You're not done teaching them new things. Lord, they are being transformed with ever-increasing glory into the image of your Son. They are being renewed by the transforming of their minds. Even now, they're living as living sacrifices. They are the voices that can say to us, I've tested, I've seen, I approve of God's perfect, good, and pleasing will. Lord, I pray that you would remind them Maybe in the world, oh, it's something they got to shy away from, their lived experience, their testimony, their story. God, that is not what they have to shy away from here. The gray hair is a crown. It's a crown of splendor. It's not something to hide. It's not something to run from. Lord, we want to honor those who've gone before us in you. We want to listen to them. We want to follow their example. So, Lord, continue to commission them. We have many who aren't even represented here because they're going about your work. They've been launched. They've been sent forth around the world. Lord, send these back into the city of Huntington Beach, back into this community, wherever you want, Lord. As you called Abraham at age 75, said, pick it all up, leave. Leave that settled life. I'm going to make you unsettled so you can do the same with somebody 75 here this morning. As somebody might be 80 years old like Moses, They say, who am I? Why would you use me? I'm 80 years old. I've got these limitations. God, you promised Moses. You said, I'm going to be with you. And that was all he needed to know. Lord, would that be all these need to know? Keep them malleable. Keep shaping them so that we can keep following their example. Bless them, God, as we honor them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.